This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. So today we go a little bit further and uh, my subtopic today is change the world. Change the world. We're going to reach back to last week and build from there. A friend of mine invited me to go to lunch recently, and I was thinking he meant like in the next day or two. And after texting back and forth, I said, well, when would you like to get together? And he shot me back a date that was pretty far out there. And I'm thinking, man, this guy that busy that he's got to give me a lunch invitation today for the lunch date several, several months down the road. I thought that's kind of interesting. He's a busy fellow. But he then texted me back and it just connected well with me with this sermon series. He said, I, I think I'll be freed up by then. Everyone say freed up. freed up. What do you think about when someone says that they're going to be freed up? Or what are you trying to communicate when you use the phrase, I think I'll be freed up? Well, I think that means that you'll be, you'll, you'll, you won't have it, you, you'll be uninhibited. You'll be released. You'll be free. You'll be uh, loose. You'll be available. Available. Big word. So when people say, I, I think I'll have my money freed up by then, that means their money will be available by that date. Or when they say my time will be freed up, that means that their schedule will be open and available. Or if they say my, my focus, my attention, I, I need to get to three o'clock today, that way I can get my, my attention freed up and I can focus on what's most important. That means their mind will be available at that time. Here is the plan of God for you. If any of you are wondering, I wonder what the plan of God for my life is. It seems like George and Susie and all these people know the plan of God for their life. But what's the plan of God for my life? I'm going to tell you the plan of God for your life. It's real easy. He wants to get to know you in such a way that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And he wants to get you so freed up that you, you are available to him. That means you're going to have to get freed up from all the other stuff that this world wants of you. You're going to have to free up your time. You're going to have to free up your mind. You're going to have to free up your emotions. You're going to have to free up your energy. You're going to have to free up your resources. You are going to have to free you and yours, your family. You're going to have to get freed up. You're going to have to get the chains broken off of your time, talent, and treasure. You're going to have to get freed up where you're available to God. Why don't we just kind of stir this nine o'clock service a little bit. We're going to put a stick in it. We're going to stir it up. I want you to ask the one next to you, are you freed up for God? Now, now some of them, they never heard what I just said. So ask them this now, are you available to God? Okay, some of you are so stuck you never even turn to the one next to you. Do y'all need marriage counseling? Do you just need another cup of coffee? Are you that scared of the one next to you? Everybody, if you've already done it, don't worry about it. But if you didn't do it, I pray that gnats inhabit your armpits if you don't do that. Ask the one next to you, are you available to God? 
Some of you are going to really itch later. You're going to be miserable later. <laughs> are you available? Because really what God wants is what the uh, uh, two songs ago said. He wants you to surrender yourself to him. He doesn't want your money. He doesn't want your time. He doesn't want your, your stuff. He wants you. Because God understands if you're available, he gets all of you. You can't come to God and compartmentalize what you give him. I'm just going to be a tither. You could be the best tither in the world and God not have you. All it was was a great donation. You could give him all the church service. You'll, you, you could be one of those that used to get the ribbons, never missed a Sunday. But if that, all you did was come to church. Does he have you? Let's get off of putting the priority on the stuff we do and the performance that we do. God wants you. Are you available? Have you come to know him in his power of salvation? And are you freed up? And are you loose and separate from the world? Have you come out of the world to the point where God has you? Or are you just wanting to get to heaven and, and live like the world until? Because let me tell you something, that's not God's plan. God's plan is to get you to heaven. But before you get there, he wants all of you. Somebody say amen this morning. Let me tell you the plan for God. The plan of God, rather, for your life. And this is not something that I've just, you know, thought about. It's found in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter number 29 in verse number 11. I read this to you from the New Living Translation. Jeremiah 29 and 11. Some of you have heard it so long that you, 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 you just kind of breeze through it. But some of you need to get rebaptized with this promise over your life. God says that I've got plans for you. <laughs> How incredible is that? God, Bobby, Bobby and Beth, God has plans for me. I don't have to do it. I don't have to, I don't have to get the pencil and paper out and create my life's plan. I can have my dream board. I can have some goals. I can have some vision. But the plan for my life, guess what? Everybody take a deep breath. You don't have to be the be the architect of the plan for your life. God's already sketched it. And he says, my plans for you are good. My plans for you are not for disaster. They're good plans. And my plan for you is one that is about the future. And oh, somebody needs to hear this word. And it's a plan full of hope. Because if you get the pencil and the sketch pad, you might paint your life's plan rather dark, full of mountains, full of, full of difficulties, full of obstacles. And God says, my plan for you is one that's built on the future and the hope of something good, not of something that's painful and disastrous. So God has these great plans for you. And, and one of the plans is uh, we're going to move here into this week's topic. And uh, here we go into part number three of the core. God's plan for you is for you to develop the gift that he's already placed in you 
to, to, the, to the degree that the gift that you're developing becomes a tool to make a difference in someone else's life. Let's look at scripture. 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse number 10. God has given each of you a gift. Someone say a gift. He's given you, and it's good to see some students here today. I, I see Claire McKenzie Law, and, and I see uh, Karen's beautiful granddaughters. I want to speak to everybody here today, not leaving any of the students out, because uh, it's important, imperative that every single one of us get this. God's given you a gift. This is what the scripture says. Use them, the gift. Use them well. To bless yourself? No. To build your kingdom? Absolutely not. Use them well to serve one another. Here's the plan of God for Tommy Brandon. And here's the plan of God for you. He wants to get to know you in salvation. He wants to get you freed up where he knows that he knows that he knows that he has you. Because if he has you, then it gives him the ability to develop the gift in you that will be used to serve someone else. How do we change the world? How do we make a difference? For all of you taking notes today, or if you're uh, maybe maybe you're a quick uh, social media poster and 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 tweeter, here's something powerful, and and I love how this sounds, and I love the depth of it. The world is changed one person at a time by one person at a time when we use our God-given gift to serve one another. So many people want to change the world and they miss the absolute secret of changing the world. You can't change the world without first changing someone. And how you change someone is by using the gift within you that God has placed in you because you're now all freed up. You're available to God. So God wants to use you in reaching, loving nurturing, caring for someone else. And when that is multiplied, the world's changed. So how's it multiplied? When you choose not to do life alone. It's multiplied when you're a part of a family, when you're a part of a community. Ultimate fulfillment comes when you're a part of a family that are wanting to make a difference by using their individual gifts serving one another. Somebody say it out loud. Say the church. God's plan for you is to know him in the power of salvation, to get so freed up that you make yourself available and available to the point that the gift in you is being developed and you're coming to grips with what God has placed in you and how to serve someone else. And then it all changes. It's on steroids. It goes to the moon and back when you partner with someone else that's available wanting to make a difference because of this reason because two are better than one. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter number 1. 
Changing the world starts with this. Give you three things today quickly. Changing the world starts with this. It starts with a calling. A calling. A calling. Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 9. God saved us, then called us to this holy work. We had nothing to do with it. It was God's idea. A gift prepared for us in Jesus long before we knew anything about it. Changing the world starts by answering the call to change the world. I'll never forget preaching in a small little country town just outside of my small country town. You know you lived in the country when the towns next to you were more country than you. And yet you only had about 8,000 people. I preached in a little town called Rose Pine, Louisiana. We made fun of it and called it Rosipani to sound fancy. And I preached in that little country Pentecostal church there one Sunday and I preached a sermon that I called Choose to be chosen. The Bible teaches us clearly, Sister Bobby Richardson, that many are called, but few are chosen. And I've always struggled with, who's the chosen? How do you get chosen? I want to be chosen. I want to be chosen. I'm called, but how do I be chosen? I want to be in the chosen. You choose to be chosen. How do you choose to be chosen? You say yes to the calling. What separates the calling and the chosen are the ones that said, I heard the call and I say yes to the call. You may not, I don't know how to be chosen, but I I choose to be chosen. And ladies and gentlemen, God's plan for your life is to know him in the power of his salvation by the work of his grace. By you putting your faith, your faith in the grace of God and allowing God to get you freed up and to develop the gift in you. And then you choosing, you choosing, you saying, checking yes instead of no and saying, I want to make a difference. I want to change the world. And don't try to do it alone. You need to look. Because I'm looking at a nine o'clock service that's got some incredible quality called and chosen people in here. They've they've said yes to the calling. They want to make a difference. And if you try to make a difference and change the world on your own, you'll last about that long. Because the world's a big place. It's a mean place. Intimidating place. But when you look around and you see blood-bought children of God standing arm in arm, hand in hand, saying, I've heard that same calling and I choose to be chosen as well. And all of a sudden you hear some just good terminology that everybody should be able to connect with. All of a sudden you're in the family of God. You're in the church. You're in the, you're in the team. You're on the team. You've got teammates and we're all attempting one thing and that is to say yes to being chosen, right? But then we're all attempting one thing, and that is to be a part of a cause that counts. Now, I'm going to do my best uh, to, 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 to compare this a little bit, but I'm, I'm on thin ice. Uh, I do my dead-level best to keep politics out of this pulpit, but it's a good example to use right now. In our current culture, everyone is, a, is trying their best to be a part of a cause. 
okay? On whatever side of the line you're on, it's irrelevant. Don't be so narrow-minded and, 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 and small-minded to get caught up in a trap right now and miss this point from the Word of God, okay? But everybody has an emptiness in their heart that wants to be a part of a cause, but very, very few people are willing to be a part of a cause that really counts. How do we know if it counts or not? Is it eternal? Because if I'm a part of a cause that's just for the now, that's not counting. I want to be involved in something that counts and counts for eternity. And let me tell you what it is, everybody. Listen to me. If you're looking to be a part of something, if you're looking to ride the momentum of something, if you're looking to get plugged into something, don't get plugged into something that culture that comes up with the sun and goes down with the same. You need to get plugged into something that's eternal. And that is found in the book of Acts, chapter number 20. Verse 24, but my life is worth nothing to me unless, oh, thank you, Lord, for hope. Thank you for an alternative. My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the grace of God. Everybody listen now. If you're looking to be a part of something, if you're looking to get connected to something, you need to be connected to a life-giving, life-changing, powerful force that will secure someone's eternity, not just put a smile on their face or a dollar in their pocket. We don't need another smile on a face and a dollar in the pocket. We need to see someone saved and sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we can't do it alone. We're going to have to come together, choose to be chosen, Come on, somebody, and make a difference that changes the world. So here's my question to you. Are you busy talking about politics and weather and economy and, 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 and all of that? Or wouldn't you love to look at the end of your week and if your week was a big giant chart or a pie chart, wouldn't you love to see the majority of your time was invested at fulfilling the work that the Lord Jesus gave you and that was sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with somebody that literally changes the world for eternity? Come on, let's clap our hands to the Lord today. The gospel of Jesus is a cause that counts. Everyone wants change that we can believe in. But nothing can change a soul like Jesus can. So what's God's plan? To you to get to know him in salvation. For you to make yourself available by getting freed up from all your junk and all your life's issues. Get available. Become available Get in a small group. Get your mind healthy. Get your heart pure. Get your motives right. Build relationships with people that are going in the same direction. Get, find the gift, the purpose that's in you, that God put in you, and use it reaching someone for Jesus. And then last but not least, before I close today, God's plan, is for, you, God's plan for you is to move you from a me mentality to a we mentality. I didn't say a we, we mentality. 
There's too many people that are operating in this life with a poor, poor, little me, wee, wee mentality. I'm talking about the power of we versus just me. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse number 9 says two are better than one. And then the, the inquirer wants to know why. It says it. Because, because they, the two or more, they, the plural, the team, the partnership, the community, they have a good return on their labor. Their labor. You realize that almost every single one of you in this room, if you'll search God and sincerely go to the Lord, you'll find yourself operating in this five-fold ministry that makes the family of God operate healthy. What are those five? It's the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. God didn't just stumble upon that idea. There's a purpose for it. Every single one of you in this room, whether you'll ever stand behind a pulpit or not, you're a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're a missionary. You're an apostle. You can oversee your family. You're a prophet. You can, you can tell someone about Jesus. You're an evangelist. You can reach someone that I'll never reach. You're a pastor. You can pastor you and yours. And you're a teacher. Teach your family the word of God. Every single one of us in this room are ministers of the gospel. And if we're all doing this together, our return on our labor will be great. But if you're somebody that just says, I don't fit in that category, I'm going to leave that up to him. I'm going to leave that up to her. Only one hurting, and I hope conviction settles on you when I say this, the only one that's hurting by that decision is you and the one that God intended you to reach. Because you're a part of the plan of God, and God's plan are people. He's put a gift in you. Use it by serving one another. Everyone say it out loud. Change the world. And I reached out to our ministry team this week. And I asked the question, do you think it's appropriate that I end my message Sunday with baby dedications? Because this is what I'm preaching about. I'm preaching that people change the world. God doesn't change the world. God changes people. And people change the world. And it hit me like a ton of bricks that I'll be dedicating babies and speaking a word of faith over moms and dads that I believe with all my heart qualify as beautiful candidates of world changers.